0: Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. And welcome everyone to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt. And I'd like to begin the proceedings in this new year of 2020 with a brand new show, I'd like to start by calling out to our helping spirits to be with us here today. So I call out to your good, true, and beautiful ancestral helping spirits. As I call out to mine, I call out to all of those people who lived well and died well, who rose to meet the challenges of their times and learned how to be effective humans, how to be good humans, and how to bring the transforming power of love to whatever it was that made life hard and brought suffering in their own era and with many challenges before us I call out to these good true and beautiful ancestors and ask them to lean in to help us help us the living to rise to the challenges of our time to bring forward the innovation and the creativity as well as holding true to the practices that are necessary for us to be the medicine of our time So as these human ancestors lean in, I invite you all to reach past them, to those older and ever more ancient ancestors, those who are here sharing life on earth with us in other than human form, to all of the non-human ancestors all the way to the earth herself. I give enormous gratitude for your presence here in life. May we each be better able in every day to open our hearts, open our awareness, to communicate with these non-human ancestors in their own language, in their own time, in their own rhythm, and in their own way, that we might receive this great and deep wisdom for how to live in beauty, how to live with complexity in beauty, how to embrace the diversity of our time and in that to find the harmony that allows for robust and vital life force here on earth. And may we do this in a way that we each find something in every day that inspires awe and wonder at the miracle of being alive. And so I call out to these ancestral helping spirits to be with us in this day and invite each one of us The living humans to call ourselves in from wherever we might be, drawing ourselves into our mind, turning off all the several things we're most likely doing at this time and begin to focus on this one thing of drawing our energy from our head to our heart and from our heart to our belly and reaching down to the earth and taking a moment to focus clearly on this one task of opening your heart to the earth to give thanks for your life. Thanks for this day. Thanks for all of the opportunity that is before you. And for the deeply generous fact in this dreaming of this planet for life on her face, this fact that as long as you are breathing, you can change it, whatever it is that is before you. And for this enormous generosity in the Earth's dreaming, we give gratitude as we send our energy down through all the layers of the Earth. To establish a true and clear and real energetic grounding into the center of the earth. And as we draw that earth energy back up, we draw into ourselves the energy of restoration and rejuvenation, that which replenishes. We call out to the energy that nourishes and to that energy that draws all of this great pre-abundance energy out of darkness, out of stillness, and out of silence. And as we draw these energies up into our life, may they help to restore in us a sense of who we are, to where we stand in life and what we stand for. And may we remember that it is through our choices and our actions in each day that we build our life. And may we choose to build that life with what has heart and meaning. And may we draw on this energy of the earth and its great wisdom to help us to understand the interconnections within ourselves, how to be interconnected and in right relationship with each other, to be in right relationship with the physical environment around us, and to be in right relationship with the invisible world around us. How can we, as the humans, restore Our place in the fabric of life in such a way that we are not a blight, but we are a blessing. And may we open to that innate blessing in our hearts and let it guide us in how we interrelate and interact and connect within ourselves and with all other things. And so I invite you to draw that energy from your belly up through your heart to your mind, up and out the top of your head, out through the sky moving through whatever weather the sky holds above you, out through the atmosphere and out into the vast cosmos and reach all the way to the highest power of the universe by whatever name you know that name or however you conceive of it, to reach out to that highest power and connect, to know yourself in it and it in you and draw that radiant divine energy down, down through all the layers of the sky, All the layers of that energy above drawing into yourself, into your body, into these proceedings, into this day. Drawing in blessing. Drawing in the essence energy of protection. Drawing in inspiration and illumination. Drawing in the energy of benevolence. And we call this energy in and just as we draw the earth energy up, To connect to the sky, we draw the sky energy down to connect to the earth. And in this way, we open up that center channel within ourselves, connected with these two great, mythic, legendary lovers, the earth and the sky. And we ask their big love to ignite the love in our own human heart. And in that heart, let us bring that crucible of transformation online, that which lives in the human heart and allows us to be present to offer the love in our heart and to allow things to change in that fire. And so I encourage you to draw up the fiery passions of your own belly and draw down the crystal clarity of your mind and let those two energies mix and merge and dance in your heart until through that dynamic tension between them, they give birth to that third and most sacred thing that you carry in this lifetime which is some sense of why you are here, that unique genius that you bring to the world. And may you reach one more time into that beautiful human heart of yours and draw out the courage that you need to do something in this day, large or small, to make your own unique genius real and truly manifest in the world. And I give enormous gratitude to all of the energies around us that help each one of us to do exactly that in every day. May what needs to be said be said here today. What needs to be heard be heard. And may these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. So, speaking of living things, I would like to give great thanks to those of you who have found why Shamanism Now in the last handful of months and have begun to donate to the show. There are many people who donated monthly for a decade and have since moved on to offer their, their money, their hard-earned resources to other things. And so I'm deeply grateful for those of you that are stepping in. Um, please feel free to set up your own uh, humble monthly donations if you choose to. Um, Every single amount that is shared with us is deeply appreciated. It all goes to keeping the archives alive, free, and available to anyone who can get on the internet. And it helps us to continue to upgrade that website for you and to continue to bring you live shows like this one today. So I give gratitude to all of you who have been able to donate financially, And also gratitude to those of you that find other ways to offer this energetic exchange. So if this show is meaningful to you in any way, even if it moves you into frustration and things you want to argue about, you've still been moved. And that is the heart, really, of shamanic work, is to allow that which moves us in our heart to motivate our actions in the world. So I do encourage you to do something, large or small, to help the show to grow, to bring the teachings into your life, to challenge them, to question them. And whatever comes of that, that seems of value, Um, please share your stories or share your questions. And in this way, Why Shamanism Now continues to be your place to connect with how we use authentic shamanic skills in our everyday contemporary life to get things done. So welcome everyone to the new year. We are live today, as I said, um, and if you have any questions about today's topic, which is power? If you have any questions, you can call in at 512-772-1938, or you're welcome to Skype in from the code creator site. And as always, you can email me at Christina at lastmaskcenter.org. And for those of you that listen uh, via iTunes or other subscription sites, um, dot whyshamanismnow.com is the archive home website, and it is not my website. It's the radio show website. So if you want to stay current on classes, which are the source of where all the uh, information shared in why shamanism now comes from, you need to go to lastmaskcenter.org. And right now, that website does currently have not just the classes that are offered this year, which are primarily online but the sequence in which they're offered so that you actually get your prerequisites done in time to be able to take some of the other uh, more complex or interesting courses that are offered later on in the year. So please use both resources um, as you see fit, Uh, whyshamanismnow.com and also lastmaskcenter.org. All right. So here's the question of the day. Where do we as contemporary people learn the right use of power when much of the examples around us of the use of power are really the abuse or the misuse and often the squandering of power? As we enter into this new year and look at our world leaders and their decisions and we watch that relationship between power and responsibility that is so essential in shamanic understanding of how humans need to be in the world. Yeah, we watch that relationship between power and responsibility clearly continue to erode um, in many ways, in in many uh, arenas, uh, ecological, economic. Uh, cultural, etc., around the world. Not, not everywhere, right? Um, America's not the center of the universe, um, but in many countries, uh, there is a, a gross increase in suffering for what appear to be kind of unnecessary reasons, but largely because power is being held and not used well. So, what do we see when we turn from that outer reflection in the world and look inward at ourselves. How is the alignment between power and responsibility needed to wield power well? How is that alignment when we look internally? What is our responsibility daily? What is our responsibility as shamanically informed global citizens? When we reach to our helping spirits for power, what is our responsibility with the power that we gain through that relationship? And when the spirit world reaches out to us and touches us, how do we cultivate a kind of personal balance and wholeness necessary to respond to that outreach from the spirit world? So, these are my questions here that I've been pondering over these winter months um, in my own life, personally, but also just being in the world with everybody else. And so, in a recent um, publication from the Foundation for Shamanic Studies, there is a interview from Michael Harner, and Michael says um, – I'm sharing this basically because one of the things about the Foundation for Shamanic Studies that I have always really appreciated is in the face of all things American, that the Foundation has towed a hard line in its teaching people to connect with spirit, that the helping spirits bring that particular power that allows the human being to then perform shamanic healing and that that recognition of where the power is really coming from in that relationship between humans and spirits and the the Michael Harner is classic for answering just about every question that you ask by saying "I don't know go ask your helping spirit and always. Putting the power back in the hands of the individual to go work that out with your own teachers, with your own spirit help. And this one slice of all that the foundation offers, I have always felt, was um, really profound relative to how power is generally used and misused in the United States. And so – Along those lines, I'm going to just uh, respect Michael for this quote, which is so foundation for shamanic studies and so beautifully expresses this, this simple sentiment. But essential, essential, but simple. Michael says that that's one of the great lessons of spiritual power. It teaches you that it is not you that performs the miracles of healing. It is not you that does marvelous things. It's the power that you've been graciously granted to do this work. It's such a lovely quote and so important in our relations with the invisible world or what we would call spiritual power or some sort of energy that comes through our helping spirits, which is, of course, at the heart of shamanism and this is what we're talking about okay so it is true i do believe um that the spiritual power uh is coming to us through our helping spirits and that we need it's very important for us to not claim that power and so for example when i say the cycle teachings came from the spirit world and that I don't own them in that sense. That my job is simply to convey them in the world, to teach them, to, to preserve them as the next generation of teachers learns to teach them. But they're not my teachings. So that, and, and when I do that, and this is not false humility. This is an expression of exactly what Michael's talking about, is I am very clear I am not the origin of those teachings, what I have offered is how do you as a human being do them because that's my experience. Is how did I as a human being learn to do them, right, when we gained them from somewhere else? And so this is, this is, of course, the interesting argument um, whenever I've been invited to speak at universities, um, which I love doing, and I'm always happy to go do for free just because it's education, Um but just this argument of, you know, how do you know who you're talking to? How are you sure you're not just talking to yourself, etc.? cetera? Well, this is the whole point of cultivating a relationship with spirit through particular techniques that allow you basically to run through a gauntlet of checks and balances that basically help you to know that you're really outside of your own uh, frame of reference and connecting with a source of power for lack of a better word a source of power that is beyond you and other than you and when added to you allows you to do things that you normally otherwise can't do and as someone who's really dedicated my entire adult life to being in this relationship either as a shamanic healer or a teacher you don't know, have a day job this is What I do, whether it pays the bills or not, I really get that profound distinction and recognition that I am not the source of this energy. I am not the source of this power. The power can, if I step into right relationship with it, move through me. Okay. And the same is true for you. I'm not special in that sense. This is true for all of us that the power of our helping spirits when we ask can move through us. Okay. And that's one side of this equation. But the other side of the equation is can it move through you? Or are you just a big mess? (laughs) Right. so energetically speaking. We're not uh, a neutral um, factor in that. We can't just say, because I'm journeying, I'm a hollow bone. That when we're connected to power, be it spiritual or any other power, it doesn't matter where the power is coming from. There are always issues of scale, meaning... In this moment, this feels really powerful, but in the larger frame of things, how valuable is it relative to its larger perspective, how it fits in these issues of scale? Because in the moment, any powerful transformation, for example, feels um, earth shattering. But in the grand scheme of things, so for example, the first time someone gets a real soul retrieval, it is pretty Life-changing. Every other soul retrieval after that is also going to be life-changing. But it never feels like that first one did. That was just off the charts because you didn't know how to put the experience of receiving a piece of your soul back and integrating it into the context of the whole of your life. So that's an issue of scale, for example. Uh, There are also issues of context when we talk about power what in what in what context is this power meaningful or not so for example, at a very tense time in the formation of my student community, we were in the middle of a community event and we were having this very um challenging it was a good conversation but a very challenging conversation about what we all needed to actually do that frankly none of us wanted to do but we were coming to realize as we as we brought in and interpreted all the journeys the messages from spirit we had gained through our journeys because we were working together with spirit to guide our path forward and we were wrestling with the answer we were getting because we didn't like it which is Typical, but anyway, to not lose my point here. And right in the middle of this, which is really human beings grappling after interpretation with what does this mean in terms of action? What are the action steps we need to take? Who's going to be responsible for what? What is the time frame? I mean, we're really getting into what I call the brass tacks of the getting it done, right? And this woman in in the circle, this woman just all of a sudden blurts out – this channeled information about blah, 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 which was her perspective of what was going on. Now, if you were in the circle, in the tension of that moment and the realization of what we were being guided to do, it was very easy to see that that channeled information in that moment, though a gift from spirit, was a distraction, and it was coming in to her because she did not want to be part of the path forward and yet didn't realize yet it was going to be time for her to leave the community because it wasn't her path forward. So, so that sense of in that context, her channeled information was a real problem, whether it was accurate or not. So context, uh, when we're dealing with power, there are also issues of uh, perspective. For example, before I try to fix something, I need to be sure that I'm actually seeing the whole problem. And this is is a big issue when we start to use our power to try to deal with large systemic problems in our world. Okay. And then the final thing is they're just issues of practicality with power. It's like in in this application of power is this thing that I'm trying to do or the way in which I'm trying to do it, is it, is it, did it work? Should I do it again? Like, like, is it worth a second try? Was it a one off? So what? You know, so I've done this big expression of power. So what, what did it do? In other words, so I did a big community ritual in Portland, Oregon to transform Portland's racism and its housing. Okay. So what? Did it help? Did it change anything? If it did, do we do it again? If it didn't, why didn't it? You know, what did we not understand about the problem? So anyway, my point is that there's there's so many issues that come to play when we are actually moving power in our lives, that we need to pay attention to the fact that we're the vehicle through which the power is moving, whether it's the spiritual power through our helping spirits, whether it's our own power and life force of choice, whether it's the authority that you have because you're the head of your family, of your household, whether you actually are – a person of some power and responsibility in your sphere of influence in the world—not just a parent, but which I consider an enormously powerful job, right? But what if you are a lawyer, or what if you're a congressperson? Oh, wow, just I had a thought. I wonder if there are any congresspeople that listen to why shamanism now. Anyway, sorry. Back on task. Okay. So the point that I'm making is that we are not neutral vessels through which power needs to move that we are an instrument through which power moves and our instrument needs to be calibrated. And when we're talking about connecting with spiritual power, not calibrating your instrument is a big, big problem. And so while I do feel that Michael's comment about spiritual power is absolutely true, we have to remember that spiritual power in particular comes from an amoral world. Not immoral, amoral world and that we the humans must receive that and take action here in a world in which our morals and our ethics matter deeply so your own or my own our right use of spiritual power has everything to do with how you as a human use or choose not to use any power that you have in your life. And we all have power. We all have various kinds of power. So in other words, at this time on earth, when so much needs to be done by the adults to give a future to the next generation, do you really have a right to not use all the power you have access to? So for example, do you have the right to say, I'm not going to work with my helping spirits. I mean, I have students that are in a shamanic training that forget to journey about things. (laughs) So, So what about people that have saying, well, I just don't believe in that. I'm not sure any of us as global citizens have the freedom to even do that anymore. We need help. We need to do the impossible. We, the humans, need to do the impossible. So as someone who's going to express your power in the world, do you have the right to use less than what you have been granted in this life? It's part of the question of today's show. Actually, today's show is just meant to give you a whole bunch of questions to go chew on. I don't have any answers. I'm just wanting to provoke the way that we think about power in our time with such gross abuse and misuse and – um, avoidance going on all around us, I think we need to change the conversation and think about, feel into, journey about, wrestle with some ideas about power that are really uncomfortable, which is that there is no right use of power without responsibility, without, from a, from a human perspective, what we would call responsibility. Okay. So, it's really not enough to just open ourselves to compassionate helping spirits and trust that everything will be good because they're compassionate helping spirits. Because that takes your own sense of discerning what to do with the information from spirit out of the equation. And and from a from the helping helping spirit perspective, they're helping spirits. Right, They're coming to us to work with us. If we're allowing them to override us and we're just saying, well, my helping spirit told me to do that, we're basically moving towards a relationship that's more like a possession where you're not taking responsibility for the power that you're receiving through the relationship. Okay. So in all encounters with power, you are the instrument through which the power flows or not. And so in many ways, we, our own choices, our unresolved trauma, our refusal to look at our shadow work, our refusal to look at ourselves with curiosity and compassion, um, our refusal to cultivate and to do practices. All of these are ways in which we choose to gunk up the works of the instrument through which the power is trying to move, even if all we're talking about is your power as an individual being here on the planet, and we all have power. We not only have personal power, but we all have access to power. We have access to power culturally and socially, but we have even greater access to power through our human heart and through the cultivation and preparation of our minds. And so we not only have power, But we have the ability to live in our life in a way that we cultivate a relationship with power. But all of that power, no matter where it's coming from, requires a cultivation of responsibility. And so another way to talk about that would be simply to say you have to grow up. That the right use of power requires a quality of maturity, of perspective, of not saying the first thing, but actually waiting And find the second or the third thing. It's a lot of the qualities that come through being here for a while, ideally, and paying attention and having a life that involves rigorous self-reflection, not self-flagellation, but actually productive self-reflection. Okay. So the other thing about your encounters with power, be it yours or the spirit power of your helping spirits, is that you're the one who has to choose to act or you don't act. Non-action is also a choice, even if it arises out of not choosing and not using power. Not using the power that you have is one of the greatest abuses of power happening right now on the planet because there's only a few people who are in these positions of power that allow them to do great harm to so many people. But there's a whole lot of us who have power we choose not to use. And so, by sheer numbers, in my mind, that is the greater abuse, is the unwillingness to step up and use the power we've been given by birth, And in that, to access the power that we have available to us to do good work in the world, to do it together. Okay. So with that thought, in the cycle, uh, the cycle of transformation, the four-year teachings that I have – I've talked about power on many other Why Shamanism Now shows. If you Google put power in the search engine and whyshamanism.com, I think it brings up half the shows, which is like 300 shows or 250 shows. Anyway, um, but that's because in the cosmology, one of the main – one of the many things we're working on, but one of the main things we're working on is our ability to – move our power through the heart which i see as the fundamental distinction of the of shamanic power like the right use of that relationship between the human and the spirit is that it's getting mediated through the heart and for that to happen you need a very mature person around their own sort of power responsibility balance within themselves you need a clean a clean clear instrument Be able to do that. And so in the cycle teachings, which is actually year three, we work with archetypal energy that helps us to do this. The whole year is about cleaning up your relationship with power, which basically means looking at all the misinformation you've gained about power. And a lot of that misinformation is what has come to you through the systemic injustice of your culture be that this is systemic injustice around race, whether it's around sex or gender or whatever it is, that we are immersed in systemic injustice in our contemporary world. And it has a gross effect on our relationship, our perceived relationship with our power. Our power is perfectly fine just sitting there waiting for us to get a clue and get into right relationship with it. And so the whole year three is about the the deep um, scariness and uh, effort to do that work because it is very much um, like removing from the structure of your home all of the beams and posts that are supporting the house. So it's it's, uh, work that triggers a lot of survival fear. And um, for most people, by the time they get to a place of even wanting to do that work, they think they've resolved their survival fear. So for it to come back up again, is, for many people, is very humiliating. I mean, it's it's big work to really work on your relationship with power. But what that archetypal energy, this teacher-leader-sovereign archetype teaches us is that for us to be in right relationship with our power – we need to cultivate balance, and so balance has is really about – I mean, when I think of balance, I think of weebles, but I'm old, and most of you don't remember that toy, but a weeble was a toy that wobbled, and then it righted itself because it had ballast at the bottom, and that's what I see about what the helping spirits really mean by balance – It's not that you precariously balance a very fragile sense of sanity. It's that you have deep hardiness and resiliency and you can get buffeted around by things in life and you're able to right yourself and restore balance. And so a great deal of – what is really at the heart of balance from a spirit perspective is our ability as human beings to be in good relationship with all of our emotions, because it is the upwelling of emotions that uh, for most of us is what derails us from our ability to maintain healthy balance. And I don't mean control, um, based balance you know rigid control balance I mean that ability to get thrown around and right yourself again and know where that center line is of truth and um, calm that center sort of still point and to be able to return to it and to be clear it's very much about how you you gain the capacity to keep restoring yourself into the eye of the storm of your contemporary life. And so for those of you that have listened to the show for 10 years, you've heard me say these kinds of things repeatedly. Okay. So the second thing that the teacher leader, sovereign archetype teaches us about power is about wholeness and wholeness from a spirit perspective is about our willingness to do the legwork to receive the soul parts back that we need to be whole to learn the clearing skills we need to recover our own marginalized selves to be willing to dive in and do effective shadow work to call back our shadow selves and to do the work of a human in this contemporary world to draw back our many fragmented selves And in that is our developing our own skill set to do that and have effective skills for each of those things we need to do, but also knowing what we need to ask for help to do because the best practice around that would be to ask for help. So for most soul retrievals, not all, but most, the best practice would be to ask for help. With that, because the soul retrieval itself is more complete when someone who is not part of the problem is able to do the retrieval. For example, so so wholeness and the cultivation of wholeness has to do with your own development and mastery of skills. It is also about recognizing in that when you need to ask for help. So another example would be I have a um, I guess client for lack of a better word. Um, A young man who lives in Romania, actually, who is really beautiful um, meditation practitioner, sits Vipassana multiple times a year, deep, deep inner process. And in that recognizes when when things are stumbled upon internally that he needs help with and he just asks for help. And so – In other words, wholeness rarely is created by people that stick to a party line, like this is the one thing I need. I just need to pray hard enough or meditate long enough or, you know, sweat, do enough hot yoga classes, whatever it is, that there's this one thing and this one thing is going to bring me wholeness. And at this point in time, for the majority, well, at least Western, Westernized humanity, One thing isn't going to do it. And that's partly what the helping spirits are saying around wholeness is you need wholeness itself as a goal apart from any system and then to use whatever systems support you to create that wholeness. The next two things um, are trust, a true capacity for trust in the invisible world. No matter how you decide to conceive of that, but you are able to truly trust that there is more going on here that meets the eye, that there is a bigger system here, and that you can trust, lean into that system and um, engage it and let it help you. Now, whether you see that shamanically, which, is, which takes that relationship very practically and gives you many skills to do that, or see that in other ways, there are many ways to do that. But that's an important piece of coming into right use with power because it goes back to that understanding that, yes, you have power as an individual, but if we're really going to be responsible to power – and use the power available to us, we need to reliably and responsibly reach out to that which is available to us through the invisible world, through that larger system that is here. Okay, so that's the third piece of coming into right relationship with power from the cycle. And then the final one is the ability to commit to your process, whatever that is, whatever that passionate thing is that you want to do without being attached to outcome. And, and what I would say, other than the normal things everybody says about this, cause that's not a unique idea. There are many systems that speak to that. But the thing about a passionate commitment without attachment to outcome is that what I see people do when they think they're not attached to outcome is that they um, fail in their initial attempt of that passionate commitment to whatever that is, and they fail. They fail maybe to pay the bills, maybe they fail to, I don't know, get that promotion, maybe they fail to – I don't know, establish that relationship, whatever that is that they're wanting to passionately commit to the manifestation of, or their own personal transformation. And what I see in that is that whole, I'm passionately committed to it and it fails, and so I collapse, I don't have any balance, I'm not, I don't have any wholeness, I don't have any trust, like I lose all those other three because I failed, right, To me, that is someone who is truly attached to outcome. (laughs) Many would say, no, no, I wasn't attached to outcome. But if when it quote unquote fails, the question is what failed? What makes you think that, that that was the end of the process? The only way you can think that was the outcome of the process is if you were attached to it. Right, and so right relationship with power has a certain quality of real passionate commitment to the process that you're in. Uh, certainly, an auditing and evaluating what's going on, so you don't just keep making the same stupid mistake, mistakes over and over again. But with that, a real loose grip on the goal, on where you're going, what you're wanting to create, so that as the larger forces assist you, you're able to create something that's really better than you imagined. And that that from a shamanic perspective is that real sweet spot in being in a powerful relationship with power and responsibility is you're working at full capacity and you are working with the larger system at full capacity and that those things are coming together in a way that is manifesting something that is good for you and ideally the next generations. Okay. So in many ways, I just spent most of this show recapping what's in, I don't know, what 50 other shows in why shamanism now, what I wanted to really talk about today is to move on from that because in In ordinary reality, because regardless of our work with spirit or our spiritual practices or our gifts and talents or whatever it is, none of it is an excuse for you and your actions or me and my actions, right? And what it creates in the world. Okay, so what we do here in ordinary reality is what really matters. Um, And in ordinary reality, we have to contend with two big factors, One, you aren't the only person here, right? So what I do, what you do, what each one of us does, needs to actually take the larger whole uh, uh, into perspective, right? And that people have been here for a really long time. So what I would say, what I mean by that is everything I'm telling you right now is adjusted for contemporary people, but there's a whole lot of people that lived here before that already knew this and did it better, right? That pre-colonization, there were a whole lot of beautiful, sustainable um, cultures that did a did a lovely job expressing individual power and responsibility. So So what this means is that there is always for us, right? As the living, right? In every group, well, one, there's always a group. Whether you feel that you belong or not, there is always a group because none of us are here on the planet alone, right? Like I said, you're not the only person here. So there are always issues of rank, privilege, and power everywhere you go all the time, even when you're home in your apartment or your house, or whatever your home is, even if you live alone. There are always issues of rank, privilege, and power in every situation. And so for a contemporary person today to go forward throughout their day without paying attention to that is an abuse of power. Because it's information that we all have. Arnie Mandel and uh, process-oriented psychology that that body of knowledge has been cranking along for decades right the information is there Um, it's spoken of now in kind of a shorthand which is a little bit unfortunate because I think Arnie's work brings a dimension to it we need to be looking at if we're going to actually change anything but my point is to go through your day and just Tune out, rank, privilege, and power in the dynamics of your day is an abuse of power. Okay. So this is, in a sense, this external work that we need to do of paying attention and noticing in every group that sort of unconscious sense of how rank And different people's rank and different people's privilege and different people's power is shaking out because, of course, it changes based on who the makeup – changes to some degree based on who the makeup of the group is, right, and who you are in that group. And so with that, it's important. This is the piece that gets stripped away in the contemporary conversations, which I wish – weren't. These this is a deep part of process work from in Arnie Mendel's work. I think it's an important piece um in your own shamanic practices, assuming you have them, because I feel the helping spirits really try to get us to see this all the time in our journeys, and people have a tendency to not understand it and and just deflect this part of the messages that they're getting from spirit. But I see that my helping spirits and Arnie Mandel agree, in other words. <laughs> so one of the main things is this. This, this comes out of Arnie's teachings. Again, I, I personally have experienced it reinforced by my helping spirits. In any situation, each individual in the group, for example, has a certain complement of rank, privilege, and power. Okay. When people who have more rank or more privilege or more power in the group choose not to use it and just allow there to be a vacuum, it's extremely frustrating to the people in the group. And so it creates like a base level of irritation that since we're not very conscious of rank, privilege, and power – It happens kind of at the same level of collusion, or very unconscious of it, actually, that creates this unconscious uh, provocation of irritation. And that is not a great... Uh, foundation for being able to make change happen or for being able to be loving or or any anything we'd actually like to aspire to. And so from a perspective of wanting to use your power well in the world, one of the most important things you could do this year is just become conscious of your rank, privilege, and power as you move through the room, the life, move through life. And so an example I'll share with you, it took my helping spirits forever to get me to understand this, but... A decade or so into my practice as a shamanic practitioner and and beginning to teach more, um, which means we've got the first decade we got finally got through all four years of the cycle teaching. So at that place, there's this whole body of knowledge that I don't really quite grasp yet, but it is there, present in my life. And what was frustrating my helping spirits is that. I wasn't acknowledging as I moved through the world that in many groups, because of this gift that I've been given by spirit, that I had more spiritual rank, privilege, and power than most people in the room, even though it wasn't acknowledged by anybody because nobody knew which is part of the problem about psychological rank privilege and power and spiritual rank privilege and power is it's very invisible in a culture here in America, for example, that almost only cares about consensus reality rank privilege and power, right? And so my helping spirits took forever for them to get me to see that given what I had been given by them, in some ways, regardless of my ability yet to really manifest it in the world, I still had it, and to act as if I didn't have it was irritating people, and I, so I made that one change. I, I risked in every group just assuming softly, soft hands, assuming that I had some of the highest rank privilege and power spiritually in every group and to then essentially try to act responsibly to that, depending on the group, depending on the context and the the content and the timing of everything. And miracles started happening. Now, I didn't create miracles. I'm just saying in the groups... Miracles started happening because this base level of irritation went away. Because I owned in my own awareness and only somewhat in my actions, but just in my own awareness, something spirit had been trying to get me to see about owning your rank, privilege and power and using it well. Even if sometimes using it well is to be silent and not support something problematic that's happening. And so that one thing in terms of your goal in this year to be a person of power and use it responsibly in the world, you could change everything through that one thing, which is to become more accurate and own for yourself your own rank, privilege, and power in different groups. Okay, so the other thing about it is – Another thing that creates that base level irritation that makes it nearly impossible for the group to really get anything done that's new and not just repeating old problems, right? Which is the problem with power when we use it in a way that tries to create something new but unconsciously creates the same old problem. Okay, so the second thing, one is not owning your rank, privilege, and power and using it. Right, that's the first unconscious irritation. The other one is being unconscious of the fact that you and your actions don't merit the rank, privilege, and power the system gives you. So an example of this, I have um, – some friends who are part of what we would call the African di- diaspora spirituality traditions who often feel that that work got co-opted by gay white men who brought a kind of white privilege into a spiritual tradition that was coming out of – um not just or, or originally out of africa but then out of the experience of slavery and then the infusion in that often forced of christianity and how that how that became this really interesting uh spiritual soup that caused these these uh traditions to arise out of that situation and so this whole assuming uh A kind of rank, privilege, and power that the system, in a sense, is giving you when you really don't merit it also irritates the crap out of people. Okay. And so in some ways, these two things are a balancing force. And so this is what I might offer to us as we go forward in our groups Whether the group is our family, whether the group is our journey circle, whether the group is our spiritual community, be it Wiccan or pagan or shamanic or Buddhist or otherwise. But that you bring a heightened awareness with you to your groups that you are an instrument of power in your life and that you are entirely responsible ...for the constant cleaning, tuning and calibration of that instrument. And that instrument is designed to move your personal power in the world in a good way. And it's designed for you to access all kinds of power around you... ...to do even more, to be even more inspired and to be taken beyond... What you can imagine as an individual that is the power of community, the power of people working together towards a common goal, the power of our relationship with spirit, the power of right relationship with our ancestors, our well ancestors and our descendants, there's so many different realms of power that we can access, and that all of this, stepping into the world with this understanding of being an instrument for power, yours and that which you can connect to, and how to wield that power in the world in a way that carries power and responsibility equally, like two feet or two hands, so they're equally moved together in the world, and that in every situation, You are in a situation in which rank, privilege, and power is unconsciously being assessed by everyone and that you need to own what is yours and use it to do good, to do the best you can in the world, to try to make just the injustices, whatever it is that inspires you to use the power that you have to do that and to notice where that sense Of rank or privilege or power is empty and that you don't merit that and to gracefully step down get out of the way and use your given rank privilege and power to lift others up who actually have the chops to do what needs to be done and in this way think we can go forward um, and make serious headway in this year in a world that desperately needs us to make some headway. So I'd like to give thanks here today to all of the energies that support us in our lives and give us the power that we need to do what we can't really believe we're actually able to do, to do the impossible. So you have gratitude to those good, true, and beautiful ancestors that gather around us. Gratitude to the earth below and the sky above and the beautiful human hearts that unite us all. So I'd just like to quickly announce we're here at the very beginning of January of 2020. And because of popular demand, although it is somewhat taxing on my small system uh, here at Last Mass Center, we are offering energy body mastery. An Energy Body Clearing, two seven-week courses online starting in February for people to be able to complete prerequisites to join us for Masks of Illusion and the Authentic Self this year in June, to join us for the next version of the Shadow Transformation Protocol, which also begins in June this year. That one's online. Masks is in person. Shadow Transformation Protocol is online, and that will be followed somewhat later in the summer by a much deeper dive into ancestral healing, also online, and that energy body mastery, energy body clearing are prerequisites for masks and the ancestral healing. And so if you want to join me for those mid-year or later, please check out lastmasscenter.org right now and get on the mailing list to uh, be able to receive the registration information for these two um, spring offerings of energy body mastery and energy body clearing online Um, i hope to see you there thank you everyone have a good week